Hello and welcome to the After Dinner Podcast. My name is John Keeley, and this is the podcast extension of ROI Show 518. Our noted guest is Leo Landis, state curator for the State Historical Society of Iowa, who will be talking to us about Black Iowans and equality. The history buffs joining us are Ed Broders and Terry Toppler. Ed, you get to start us off this time. Thanks, John. Uh, Leo, between shows, you mentioned a case uh, that you wanted to talk about uh, from Des Moines. Um, so here's your chance to do that. Sure. One that, that is rightly celebrated in, in central Iowa is uh, the case of three black Iowans, uh, Edna Griffin, uh, John Bibbs, and Leonard Hudson. And much like the Tonys in, in Davenport, uh, there were businesses in Des Moines that would not serve blacks. And uh, Katz Drugstore Chain was a uh, Kansas City-based drugstore chain that had a, uh, a branch here in Des Moines on Locust Street. And so in the summer of 1948, uh, knowing that blacks can't be served at the lunch counter uh, in violation of the 1884 uh, Iowa legislation, but blacks can't get service at the lunch counter at Cat's at, uh, Drugs. And again, this is before Greensboro in 1960, and this is before Rosa Parks and a bus in, in Montgomery in 1968. So, you know, you've got the Tonys, and then you've got the, the Edna Griffin, John Hudson, and or Leonard Hudson and John Bibbs in Des Moines. And so uh, they go in, try to get service, uh, and are denied July of uh, 1948. So, you know, we're, we're post-World War II at this point. Uh, a community picket is set up, and they work all through the, the summer picketing Cat's Drugstore. Uh, it goes to court. Uh, it's the Cat's company loses the case, uh, but they still choose to refuse to serve blacks. So they go again, and uh, this time it's primarily Edna Griffin. I think Bibbs is with her that time. I'm not sure that Leonard Hudson is. And in a second effort of picketing and filing a lawsuit, uh, they finally prevail in 1949. So for the most part, uh, at least some of that uh, de facto segregation in Des Moines in food service is, is, is falls by the wayside. So Davenport has a, a little bit of a lead uh, in civil rights activism there and, and a great story on the Tony side, but the Edna Griffin story, uh, John uh, Bibbs and, and Leonard uh, Hudson is, is another good one. Okay. Um, Terry. Yeah, Leo, you've given us some wonderful examples of black Iowans who have advocated for their own equality. And earlier you had mentioned um, about the Black Regiment in 1863 during the Civil War. Can you talk about what gains in Iowa came from their service? Yeah, the the biggest one is, uh, or the two biggest are the change of the Iowa Constitution and Alexander Clark as he's advocating for uh, the vote for black men. He also is supporting women's suffrage at the time. Uh, so uh, black Iowa men were for full suffrage uh, across the board. It's just it didn't. It, there were some national issues that came up. So uh, the idea that black men are at least being allowed to serve on juries as well. So striking the word white from our Constitution in 1868, uh, that's the, the one of the big ones. And, and then I would even argue that, you know, 
with the legisl- with the judicial rulings and and setting that standard in 1839. So when the Clark case uh, in Muscatine and the Smith and Dove case in Keokuk come up, the prevailing sentiment uh, may not be for full equality, but for full access anyway uh, to education. So Iowa does have a really strong history there, and part of that is initiated by uh, the men who proved their willingness to serve even though they didn't have equality uh, nationally or in Iowa in that colored regiment, the black regiment from Iowa. Can you give us a little background on the uh, history of the NAACP in Iowa? Sure. Uh, NAACP, of course, is organized nationally in the uh, first part of the 20th century with W.E.B. Du Bois, and that's a quick sidebar. Uh, He marries a a woman from Cedar Rapids, so uh, Iowa has a connection there with the the founder, one of the founders of uh, the NAACP. But uh, Des Moines has the first chapter in 1915. Uh, We are honored, and and I say we, as Iowans, that charter now is in the collection of the State Historical Museum of Iowa. It's on display right now in our uh, Iowa 175 exhibit. But uh, by the mid, you know, pre-World War I era, you've got chapters of the NAACP being formed and and organizing, and, and part of, you know, the Tonys in the post World War One and, and the activity that's taking place with people like us, Joe Brown, and lawyers across the state. It's black lawyers working through the NAACP, much like happens on the national level. So, uh, again, that, that 1920 to 1935 period is, is sometimes bleak. Uh, you know, the, the football stadium at University of Iowa uh, is Kinnick, Kinnick Stadium, but it's uh, uh, Duke Slater Field. Well, George Slater uh, is uh, Duke's father. He's in Des Moines in 1931 as a Methodist minister, is denied service, uh, and and he files a lawsuit in 1931. And it's those black lawyers who uh, are advocating for not just equality, but then are working to get black teachers hired. And so the legacy of the NAACP going back to the you know 19-teens uh, across our state is, is one that sometimes gets overlooked and, and an important story. Uh, for my moment to brag, you're talking to the Labor and Industry Chair of the Davenport Metro local NAACP. <laughs> so, yes, um, very much about that. So um, when we're talking about instances of... Um, um, du jour segregation, I, and I, when I teach the, this topic in class, I use those both as pivot points for kids and some adults. Um, were there any laws that kind of, I hate to say, were slipped into the books and it wasn't really discovered till like a smaller community? I'm not talking the bigger ones. And I'm guessing if it was going to happen, it'd be like closer to the southern border with Missouri, where you had um, instances of laws that were Missouri code that were very, very racist. Uh, did you ever notice some that somehow particularly snuck through and, and then they corrected later? 
I'm not aware of any of those. I mean, the, the ones that you see are that early first generation of territory slash statehood where uh, blacks have to file a bond to prove and, and put up money to prove that they aren't going to be a burden on the state. And so we did have some of those black codes in the pre-Civil War era. Uh, once we get through the Civil War, it's, it's mostly de facto segregation. So I know, you know, the opera singer Simon Estes growing up in Centerville, he talks about uh, segregation in the theater. And finally, uh, some of his buddies say, well, just come down here and sit with us and, and know of other stories like that, too, uh, in communities that uh, it was mostly de facto. I don't know of any of those southern tier counties where uh, there were any of those, you know, local ordinances. There were sundown towns in Iowa. I think my hometown of of Clive actually was one of them, uh, where uh, in the 1920s, 1930s, if you were a black person, uh, the idea was you didn't want to be there after dark or violence would be uh, put upon you. Um, Along those lines, uh, my aunt graduated from Davenport High in 1954, and the um, Sadie Hawkins King was Cy Roberts, who was an incredible athlete. He's the first, to my knowledge, black uh, student to win the state championship in wrestling and then for the University of Iowa. And so when Davenport High picked him as the Sadie Hawkins King, which uh, I remember showing us the yearbook, and and there were no, to my knowledge, um, riots or preventing him or angry that he got this this notoriety uh, popularity contest but you talk to the people there as as prominent as he was an athlete there were restaurants here he couldn't go to there were places that you know after he got done having a great wrestling match or great football game he couldn't go to so i mean that that definitely was a factor all around yeah yeah, the the case of Harriet Curley, and a case, it's not a lawsuit or anything, but she's a, a black woman who graduates from Drake University in the 1940s, and then the Des Moines School Board hires her to teach at a near west side uh, elementary school in a somewhat suburban, wealthy, but not overly wealthy, and people go to the Des Moines school board saying we don't want a black teacher uh, teaching our children in this near northwest side or actually a fairly far northwest side suburb of it's still Des Moines it's not a suburb Uh, so 1946 uh, you know there are Des Moines residents protesting a a black teacher and you know we're just out of a war that had been uh, fought to end fascism. Terry. Yeah, Leo, can you talk about when do we see our first black legislators in the state? That's not until the 1960s, and I will, of course, get uh, Willie Glanton's name, and I can't remember the the black gentleman from Waterloo who's also a Democratic legislator uh, in 62 or 64 election, I believe. And then uh, Cecil Reed is the first black Republican uh, elected, and, and, you know, he's a compelling story, too, talking about some of that de facto segregation. He and his wife opened uh, a hotel called the Sepia Hotel on US 30 on the east side of uh, Cedar Rapids so that blacks traveling from Chicago to Denver know that there's a safe place uh, with a code word sepia, just like the Tonys had their short-lived newspaper, and I can't remember the full title, but had sepia in it. 
that was one of those code words that if you were black and saw sepia, you knew it was okay for you. So Cecil Reed is the, the first Republican legislator, and I think he's 66 is when he's elected, if I remember right. We would like to thank our noted guest for the 518th show, Leo Landis, state curator for the State Historical Society of Iowa, who talked to us about black island, Iowans and equality. The history buffs for today's show were Ed Broders and Terry Topplers. ROI can be found at 9.30 p.m. Friday nights on KALA Radio or on the web at TuneIn.com. If you're looking for older programs, you can find them on at SoundCloud. Just put KALA Radio in the search and click on the first icon and scroll down to find nearly a decade of ROI shows. You can also find ROI on all your favorite streaming platforms. ROI is recorded at station KALA, St. Ambrose University.